All right, it is time. We are live right now on Twitch, Facebook, and the YouTube for Soccer to the Max. I'm Sean Garber, your host, and always Mr. Eric Watkins. I hope you're not sick of me, folks. Hi, I'm back. Uh, yeah, Eric is, uh, he does like triple duty here for the <laughs> W10 Network. So, uh, I mean, if, if some people watch uh, the game show and this and uh, the kickoff and uh, the league to the max show. You'll see Eric a million times. So you know, <laughs> you, you either love him or hate him at this point. So at least you only see me twice. And then, um, I mean, I wish I had time to do more more shows, but I really don't. But hey, anyway, what matters here is we're we're back to talking about the round ball, the soccer ball. Sorry, we're a little bit late. I the one time the Cowboys are on Sunday night and they happen to go all the way to the end and make you have to suffer. So they win. Eh, I'm, uh, I was a little bit excited. So God had to, you know, calm myself down to talk about something in the Cowboys here. But um, eh, don't worry. I'll have plenty to talk about <laughs> with your Cowboys come to kickoff this week. I can't you even. Better, you, you better have plenty to talk about there. Yeah, I, I had, let's just say I had a vested interest in that game. And for those of you who listen or go back in the archives on YouTube, you'll know what I'm talking about. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there is a few things to talk about. It's, it wasn't, I think we we definitely missed the boat some last week. I apologize that we didn't do the show last week. It's just uh, a lot of stuff going on and, and it just uh, didn't kind of fit. Um, we'll try not to do that again, especially with... Uh, Another big round of international is coming up pretty uh so before you know it we'll be we'll be talking about the US Men's National. But anyway, let's let's go ahead and get to our headline, Eric and well, the New England Revolution, they won the supporter shield officially last week. Okay. And then, it, it, yeah, I mean it did so far, especially with the way that they've been running away, it was inevitable. I mean, yeah, exactly. It was inevitable. <laughs> we knew it, right? We knew that they were gonna win. It was just a matter of when is it going to be officially official? But they did break the points record, the all-time points record. It was possible that they, they may not get, right? It's not a guarantee mm-hmm. you're going to win your last two. Oh, yeah. They did officially do that, winning 1-0 over Portland. So congratulations to them. The thing is, does this really matter, Eric? Because if you go back in history, things don't really necessarily bode well for Supporters Shield equaling also MLS Cup. Exactly. And even if you look at recent history at the Supporter Shield and more important, this record breaking points tally. First, it was all Atlanta. Could they do it? They did. Yeah. Granted, it came out successful. I mean, technically, they didn't win Supporter Shield. Well, right. The Red, the Red Bulls won, but that goes against your point of the Red Bulls only made it to the conference finals that year. Exactly. Because, I so. mean, if you look at the records, it was Atlanta. Then the Red Bulls, now New England. So you have like all of these and these big teams like breaking it and breaking it. Again, right. you're absolutely right. It doesn't bode success. And yeah, with New England, okay, they could position themselves and make a nice run to MLS Cup final. But we were just talking off air. Look at their schedule. Look at how the format is set up. It was pretty much, you can't say handed to them on a silver platter but pretty close as the season developed. And yeah, you can use that and run rough shot through the East. That doesn't necessarily mean you can clear every hurdle, win a MLS Cup final, even if it's on your home pitch. I don't know. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And I mean, it, considering that 
the Revolution had been there before and lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not a guarantee. The, the history of the team, uh, not only that, but the history of Supporter Shield. I mean, if you go through again, LAFC, who were the record holders previously yep. in 2019, yeah. only made it to the conference finals once again, uh, losing uh, to Seattle. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win. Now, to be fair, Atlanta and Toronto, back-to-back, they did win. It. Mm-hmm. Although Atlanta didn't win Supporters' Shield, but they were right. pretty close up there. They got yeah, they were neck and neck with Red Bulls. Yeah. So, I mean, and then, you know, if you go back to, the you know, the 98 Galaxy, all the Supporters' Shield exist back then. They were just retroactively given this. Yeah. They didn't win. Now, they 2011 Los Angeles Galaxy did win. But then you go past that, everybody is conference finals conference semifinals so you know that and that also includes new york city fc who didn't win supporter shield in 2019 but got close i mean they were like eight points behind lafc and mm-hmm. still didn't you know uh didn't get there either so just getting high point and i mean this it's different from what you'd see in other you know if you're going to talk about american sports a lot of times the higher are the one those finals right, right. The, the big game yeah right whereas in MLS, where you're going, you're going to that American style, but you're a traditionally not American sport. Yeah. So that's what's interesting, Eric, is like you're doing all of this to adopt an American style. You obviously have a membership. Mm-hmm. They believe in franchises. You don't have the promotion relegation, all of that. But the one thing that if you're going to use the European marker, right, of or not European, let's say the world marker of supporter shield, the top of the table you're supposedly the champ right and and almost every other league because there are leagues like you know the russian the mexican league uh uh, liga mekis and a few others that do do the playoffs right and Mm -hmm. mls is not the only one and wsl as well Mm -hmm. so but do you think perhaps maybe it's a bigger thing to discuss when you get to I guess the final number, although MLS may never have a final number of expansions. Maybe. (laughs) I'll counter that with a maybe. But at least, you know Don, our friend Don Garber, not really. I've been quiet, Don. Be thankful. Be thankful. Our our, our arch nemesis, Don Garber, who we know for sure wants, Mm -hmm. you know he wants to get to that magical, if not 30, you know, to match um, another league that is uh, rather big in the United States. Mm Mm-hmm. Once you get to that number, is it the time finally say, look, one table, mm-hmm. pick your sixteen, your sixteen team, and that's it. And there's I, no, I mean, yeah. I get it, I get that they want the American thing of the conference at all. And issues all with stuff, but. issues with travel and stuff. But I'm going to bring to that point, and the reason why I say maybe the magic number is 32. Every other of even the big four league here in North America. They're either at 32, just gotten there, or they're planning to get to 32 in the near future. And 32 seems to be the dream. So I'm pretty sure knowing Don, that's going to be the apex, 32. You can do that, even though it will be still heavily abnormal. You can make that work with a 32 team. You would have a single round robin plus one additional derby match. A 32-game schedule, nice, still along the lines of what we're working on now, and then top 16 MLS Cup playoffs. 
Not that yeah, I mean, even even Bruce Arena brought it up. How much does the supporter shoes really matter when you don't have a balanced schedule? No, right? You're you're going against one side of the bracket way more than you are the mm-hmm. other side, and you don't have the home. I mean, you do eventually get the home and home stuff when you're playing the the you know whatever the, uh, conference you're in, but you don't necessarily get that when you're playing the other conference, right? You may only no. get that one game, so. That's, I mean, now granted, this year's schedule was a bit more uh, heavily interconference play because of the travel. Right. But I, I mean, I get this is why people say we can't go to the FIFA schedule because of the winter and how terrible it is, mm-hmm. all that stuff for some of the teams. But it's like travel, travel, travel. You can tell me about travel all day long. Travel is normal in every other league in the world. Yeah. And in Tra- American League, it yeah, is. Yeah, travel is inevitable. You're going to have games where you're going to be crossing multiple time zones. Yes, travel is a bigger factor when you have a league spanning a larger geographic area, but you go ahead and you bite the bullet. Other leagues have managed and have done things, so that's just going to be a part of it as well here in MLS. So something like that doesn't entirely... I mean, it, it just doesn't... Yeah. To me, I don't buy that whole travel thing when... No. Three of the other leagues in American sports play way more games. Exactly. And like, do you don't people don't bring that up? No, right? They, and they play back to backs and all that other stuff. Like, I don't want to hear about how. Oh my God, they can't possibly go from. And we're, and we're talking about they play one game a week most mm-hmm. of the time, maybe a midweek game. Like, oh my God, I can't travel from New York to Seattle. Twice a year. Oh my lord! Yeah, I mean, How exactly. Would that be? You know, if you're looking at like these flights, what would be the longest one? Miami to Seattle, Miami to Vancouver. Yeah, that's about it. And you're making that trip each way once a season. That's all. Most of the time, you're not going more than what a time zone. Time zone. Please. Yeah, other than the other than the California. Yeah, California, right. Uh, kind of thing. But it, yeah. I mean, like LA, New England, and all that. I get that going the other right. way, but again, still once a year. I, I mean, that that's the thing. It's like whatever roadblock you come up with. If you, I just don't see the point of having a. If you're not really going to go to that sort of thing where you have the regular that everybody else has. Mm-hmm. Okay, home and home. You play each other. That's it. And then you realize, okay, who are the top sixteen teams. They go right. to the playoffs, and, and they even play the playoffs. Even staying here domestically, that's exactly what the USL does. Even though they have two tables, Eastern and Western Conference, all of the play is in those respective conference. No right. inter-conference matchups whatsoever. They don't have any sort of supporter shield for good reason. They have that, then they have their conference playoffs, and on you go. Yeah. But, I mean, MLS just wants to have the, the arbitrary, hey, look, we're trying here. We're trying to be like everybody else. Well, and but, I mean, yeah. best best comparison I can bring this up with, the A-League in Australia. How many times do you see with their minor premiership or they have like that thing for the end of the home and away season? No, they have the bulk of their qualification, even for Asian Champions League, how you do in the postseason. That carries a lot more weight, same as it does here. So, yeah, but that's that's the thing. Well, they'll eventually have to figure out if they're going to. But I feel like with American, 
as Americanized as they continue to want to be, but then also want to throw the bones of mm-hmm. uh, scheduling or, or whatever type thing want to do. They're going to have the conference because apparently we all can't figure out that it's one league and they all got to play each other and that's it. We all got to have this conference. And you can still have the rivalry week, right? Of course. I mean, of course. The other leagues do it. They just yeah. scatter it out throughout the They don't have it all in one week. No. But you can still do it that way. You can schedule rivalry. They just don't have to be in the same conference or whatever. Yeah. It just, uh, it it seems like it's MLS is trying to manufacture it because we have to do it that way. It's the only, I mean, you tell me if that matters, if the stands are not even a fourth full for NYCFC and Red Bull. And that's supposed to be some big derby because it's New York versus New York. Exactly, the Hudson River Derby, but it's, no, everybody, when they see NYCFC, what do they think of as a big derby? Orlando. Yeah, because there's actually some, like, I mean, there was at one point, I think, when, you know, NYCFC had Villa, you know, uh, Pirlo and all that, and they they had brought in, bring in more fans, but it's just, it's difficult, difficult, I think, we're talking about all of these different teams, and it's just, like, some of the stuff is obviously natural, you mm-hmm. know, with Red Bull and some other. Yeah. Don't need to manufacture it. will either happen no. or it won't. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Teams will find other teams to like and hate. Let that just occur. But just to finish that point, great for the revolution that you are supporter shield winners. Now go out and prove it when you get to the playoffs. Speaking of the next week, we're doing this show. We'll know who is officially in the MLS playoffs and who's not, but you know, just for giggles, because we are here, even though I don't understand why we're having five games in the midweek and then having another slew of games with those same teams again on Sunday, it's a little bit, seems like a little bit of a disadvantage to some of these. It, but, it, it really does, because even for the greatness that is Championship Sunday in the pre-league, they're like, all right, we have this schedule, so everybody's caught up. Nothing in the midweek unless absolutely necessary leading up to that. Everybody's full systems go. But MLS going to MLS. Right. I mean, in Toronto, sitting there playing Pacific FC for the Canadian Championship, all that as well. <laughs> so uh, you have that that is like in itself but sure whatever so here's the way this looks before we get to now granted there is a game on monday and there is a game on okay so there's a game on monday but la and seattle which is pretty big and then there's a game between lafc and vancouver which is sort of i guess big and then you have you know those five games that i mentioned on wednesday and then you have all the games on sunday so you still have some games that need to be played here but let's do this because they won't get another chance uh, before, you know, we get to next week. Pretty much we know New England with 20 points more than the next two teams below them. It's ridiculous, by the way. 22 and only losing four games all year, drawing seven and then winning 22 with those, six, those 73 points. Now the record holder for the most points in one year. So... Looking at it this way, Philadelphia, Nashville, and NYCFC have now clinched playoff spots. The teams that are left right underneath are Eric's Orlando uh, City FC there, 
Atlanta right underneath them at 47. So that's a big deal. And then New York right underneath them, the Red Bulls, sorry, and Red Bulls right underneath them. And then right now under that line are DC, Columbus, and Montreal, uh, who are still within a shout of making that lowly seventh spot there that Red Bull currently hold. So yeah, Eric, I mean, right now you could be happy for one team and then I guess not happy for the other team. And this is how it always goes. I will get to this more when we talk about our supporters clubs moment, but DC Columbus, that's all I'm going to say for right now. Yeah, big game. I mean, so looking at it like this, that the Wednesday slate, there is one huge game, Red Bull in Atlanta, that could decide a lot if somebody gets three points there heading into Sunday. Yeah, I, I so. saw a lot of playoff scenarios, and um, I nearly broke out my whiteboard. I nearly broke out my whiteboard trying to track them. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting for Orlando, who have to play Montreal uh, as well. And Montreal can get the three points against Houston, which, you know, you would think that they should if they're going to be contenders at all for a playoff spot. Man, what a, what an interesting turn of events that game could be when you're talking about those standings, how they could just take a turn all of a sudden. So watch out, you know, for if you're not careful, maybe both teams. I am at this point, after what I've been through the last month, I am prepared for saltiness. Anything positive is just going to be a pleasant surprise. I'm prepared for the salt. Hey, at least your team is there. I mean, mine is both your teams are there. Mine is completely, Dallas is completely eliminated from anything sort of mirroring contention. Now in the West, it's just basically LAFC and Real Salt Lake. And Real Salt Lake has uh, the big game as well in the midweek. So they have a lot to look at as in the West. A lot simpler. This, I mean, there's still there's still some movement that can happen. But again, remember that in the West you have the game on Monday and the game on Tuesday still before you get to Wednesday and Sunday. So a lot can happen there. But LAFC and Salt Lake in ninth and eighth, right within a point of each other at 44 45, and you got LA. So whatever happens on Monday between Seattle and LA, that can matter a lot. If Seattle gets three points, I mean. The Galaxy are right there, still stuck at 46, holding on to that seven spot with dear life as uh, Vancouver and Minnesota are right there above them and with Portland. So still a lot of movement that can happen between now and Sunday with all these games. So, man, will this be an interesting thing when we get to next week. Should be fun when we get to that. Uh, And then getting on to those MLS Cup uh, playoffs and everything else. But always a fun thing. The NWSL also in their last of their playoff. They're doing the the home and home series right now. So next week they will be finishing that off, and then they'll be doing their um, they'll be doing who plays who in the semifinals uh, between. I think it's the Thorns and the Rain are waiting to see who goes through. So we shall definitely see when that comes. Come on, uh, Rain! Oh. Just saying. <laughs> oh, gotta go, gotta go for some team, right? Hey, <laughs> for the visual, you get this. For our audio-only folks, I will explain. Yeah, and of course, speaking of uh, women's soccer for a little bit here, 
Carly Lloyd officially finishes her career with the U.S. Women's National Team. A 6-0 win over South Korea after the first game finished 0-0 uh, the week before. Carly Lloyd comes off in about the 60-something minute. And she does a great like turn to her next chapter in her life. Taking off her jersey, it says Carly Lloyd. And finally having her husband, Brian Holland's name on the back of her jersey. Kind of signifying, I'm done. Now I'm moving on to my life after uh, soccer. Of course, she's still playing. Uh, mm-hmm. She does have a uh, playoff game to see if her team's going to make it to the next round in NWSL. But as far as women's national team, that's that's it. That's her career. She doesn't finish it out with a goal or anything, but, I mean, what a stellar career she has. Exactly. I, I mean, if you look at these, like, a last friendlies leading up to, like, her last games, even with this East Louisiana South Korea before that against Paraguay, I really think she went off in style overall and the team sent her off in style. So, I mean, yeah, you would have, you know, that storybook moment, oh, she scores a goal in her last appearance, but honestly – I think she is okay and everyone else is okay because she's got the numbers, huge amount of goals, caps, everything else. It's like she realizes, hey, my time has come. And again, it was another great gesture. So I thought very, very class act. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and getting to play until you're 39, that is a testament to you as a as an athlete, as a mm-hmm. tremendous athlete. I mean, she definitely goes down as one of the greatest, not only women, but just overall players in general period mm-hmm. like i mean i'm sure that if you really went and did a ranking there are the people that will say uh you know she that doesn't equal anything blah 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 but like to sit there it's it's incredible that she makes 316 appearances in the united states i mean that's ridiculous i mean you look at like all-time international caps, even in factoring in, just with U.S. women's alone, because we have a lot of players is from all of our generations that have around in that neighborhood. But still, 316 is nothing to sneeze at. For all the yeah. players who have, look at how many who don't even close to that. No, and then 134 goals speaks for itself. A huge number uh, for her and the, the U.S. women's national team. Of course, the, the club career... Not as illustrious. Obviously, women's soccer has had a very torrid time in the United States, so it's really not fair to kind of compare that. Uh, but, I mean, to go in and win two Olympic gold and a uh, two women's World Cups back-to-back like that, I mean, that's incredible as well. Like, just, Oh, yeah. Obviously, she's not the only member of those teams, uh, but it's still a, a great feat uh, for, you know, women's soccer as far as, just soccer in general, just being one of the greatest when you talk about U.S. athletes in the, you know, just for the round ball period, whether men or women, Carly Lloyd is definitely up top. You could, if you wanted to make a Mount Rushmore of, you know, women's soccer, it'd be hard pressed not to say, oh, she don't belong in there. No, you yeah. can easily make a case. And if you can't, it's like, okay, who are the four that you would put on to leave her out? That would be the bigger question. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's obviously a few you could certainly put in there, you know, leave leave her out. But I, it's hard to say, okay, out of the – if you're going to put four people, it's really hard not to say when you look at all the legacy that she has. And t- talk about, like, as a uh, – just like a role model and being an outstanding person as well. Like, that's a, 
huge compliment to her and the way she has carried herself and such a hard worker. I mean, like there she goes and wins bronze this last in 2020 and she's sitting there doing running up a uh, stairs, mm-hmm. you know, like who does that? I, Carly Lloyd, no? Exactly. I mean, it's something like that. I just win bronze in my 30s. I'm not doing stadium stairs like that. Yeah, no. I'm just like, okay, I got my bronze, whatever, you know? Yeah, that, I'm, going on, I'm going back in the Olympic Village. I'm going to enjoy a party until I yeah. got Most people are not going not gonna to do that at all. So it's like, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that how she has done this career and had a great uh, soccer in general in this country. So Moving out to more of a worldly uh, spectrum, he, obviously this would have been more appropriate last week because that's when it happened, but we have seen it escalate, and now officially Ronald Koeman is out at Barcelona. It was inevitable, right? It was inevitable. We knew it. Uh, John, uh, John Laporta had always said that he wasn't his man. That's not his guy. He doesn't really care much for Ronald Koeman. Now, the thing is, how does this affect one Serginho Dest, Eric? Because he's even gone and, and put Serginho Dest in a classical and big games at up front as a third member of a 4-3-3. I mean, obviously, no doubt even Kuman said his position is right back. It's not like that way. Right. But he really didn't have much options because of all the injury. Uh, you did see Kuna Guedo come back. In the uh, Clásico, he did score a goal. Obviously, at that point, it didn't matter. It was the 97th minute. wasn't going to do anything. But he missed a huge, huge opportunity. Uh, he does get the assist on the Cunaguero uh, goal. but And he, I think he missed an opportunity in the, the next game as well. It's just like, I don't know. Does the next person who looks like it's going to be Xavi, the old Barcelona legend, would he have... You know, not favor Sergio Dest, and perhaps he's out. Maybe. I mean, really, I would hope that Xavi is taking a look around and saying, "All right, this is what we got. What's going on?" And immediately, what's going wrong? Knowing, right. knowing the club the way he does, knowing the way that he historically played, and what's missing the mark. I would like to think, at least for that little while, maybe even if not even rest of this season. Well, I guess it would be rest of the season because judging going just up to the January transfer window would be way too little bit of a data. Maybe he's like, all right, leave in place and what do I have right now? Because I won't necessarily be able to make any, see what's going on, what I can do, give Desi opportunities, and then maybe see in the summer what goes up. So I think there's this time, these next few months where it's going to be a proving ground and Desi is going to have an opportunity. But he's got to make the most of it because if he really doesn't, and he could wind up following Kuman wherever he ends up going. You got to put that on the table. But for right now, think of this uh, for Dest and pretty much the team as a whole. All right, shop window or audition for your spots and see what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that he would. I don't think he goes anywhere in January. Um, I think the thing is for Xavi, like you're saying, is I got a lot of older players. Yep. And then you also got a lot of young kids. You definitely got to have a youth infusion in that team, but you also got a limited budget. So mm-hmm. can they even sign anyone during the draft yeah. window? Because you're, you're a billion in debt. You're already wondering what's going on at your famed academy and trying to get your academy team, your B team, up to snuff where it was. So you can have that better 
to your senior squad. It's He's being put in, I won't say in an untenable situation, but definitely unenviable, especially with the way Spain is cracking down even more as far as what's going to be available, not just in January, but even in the summer window. Yeah, it's not just that. I mean, it's also like they only have a certain amount of money they can play the the entire coaching staff, Mm -hmm. including Xavi and the rest of the coaching staff that he brings in. So then that's it. That's the cap for the whole coaching staff. So, I mean, look at it that way and just say, look at it and go, they're already playing pretty much who they have every week. You saw this uh, against Alaves. They're playing. They got to play Memphis Depay every single week because <laughs> you know they got to play. I mean, sometimes. I mean, luckily, you know, Kuno Wedo's back, so they don't have to play De Young. Thank God, because De Young is well. You know, he's, he's not. Let's just say he's he's not up to scene. Not that they're having they, to play. It's hard to say when someone's cooked if they were never really fresh to begin with. We can put it like that. I mean, supposedly after the Dinamo Kiev game, we're going to see Xavi finally get signed and the official club. But, I mean, it's it's one of these things that, like, Memphis scores, but then who else? They really don't have anyone that they – Dembele, they've been waiting for him to come back the entire season. And then even then, he gets hurt. He's a very injury-prone player, so – and what can you expect from him? But look at the this team, the way it's constructed, right? Mm-hmm. You don't – so your your back line is two older guys and Jordi Alba and – right? Right. And then Eric Garcia, who's awful. And then Sergio Dest, he normally plays right back, right? And then you have Sergio Busquets, who's also an older player. He seems to play great for Spain, but then he – puts on a Barcelona shirt and he you don't he doesn't play the same way, right? And then up front, now you have a formidable, you know, duo in a in Aweto and Depay, but the Lord, I mean, how much does Aweto have left? And he's very injury prone himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's like it's all on poor Memphis to do everything. Yeah. You feasibly got almost half of your starting 11. You're either looking and say, all right, you really got to move on. They're on the verge of retirement, despite whatever they would call that they have left. That's the baseline of what you would have going forward. And even then, how are you going to replace them? Oh, this is looking even uglier than people realize. You can't replace them because you don't have... You're in debt. So. Yeah, and this is what I'm saying. Between all the debt, between yeah. the bigger financial constrictions you have, you're going to know the numbers as next. And, and you got to pay Kuhn. Yes. You got to pay Kuhn to get him out. So it's it's crazy what Barcelona has got. This. Hope to God for them that nobody else gets injured on that team. I don't know who they're going to play. It's, they're going to be bringing up kids from the academy to play it, in the first Hope their B squad is at least a third decent because it's like, "Ah, we're going to need you. Yeah, definitely. That's something that's going to be something to watch. And I wouldn't expect Xavi to just make this magic turnaround because Mm -hmm. I don't really know. He he doesn't have, unless he just starts playing the kids to to just be like, well, let's just freshen up the team. Let's start playing the kids because we don't have other options just to see what they got because what else are we going to do? And what, like nine or 10 points below Espanol at this? Like, 
are you really going to be able to make that up with the teams that are ahead of you? I don't know. It doesn't seem likely uh, for them. So that's just something to look uh, put get your put your eye out on. But man, I don't envy Barcelona. No, I mean, right what was the stat? They are on the verge of things keep going, missing the Champions League stage for the first time in like 20 years? That, Let that sink in for a moment. That's a lot. Think about that. Think about missing that champion. <laughs> that's not uh, nothing to sniff out there. But uh, let's, let's move on now to the uh, Manchester United moment of our show. Okay, we have to bring it up because it does, it seems like we're hiding. We definitely know that the Net- Manchester United got absolutely shellacked by Liverpool 5-0 last week. They deserved to get absolutely destroyed. Mo Salah was a just top-notch, amazing uh, the, talent on the, the day. The first player to ever Trafford as an opponent and score a hat. He deserved it. He deserved it. We were just listless and asleep and uh pogba's uh challenge was definitely a red card i saw that on the replay and i was like yeah that was a red the way he came in yeah and and navi keita is why i feel bad for that dude just that dude scores and he scores amazing goals and then he gets taken out on a stretcher for that feel bad feel bad for him definitely uh on that one but talking about this game in front of us here, the one that, that just happened. How how interesting that you rely on a strike pairing that's 70, uh, combined 70 years, I'd say. Yeah. And it gets you they, two goals. I know. And they kept saying, and I'm like, we get it. Cavani, Ronaldo, they're old, but it worked. At least against Tottenham, it worked. I mean, they're not ancient. I mean, yeah. Cavani still freaking goes box to box for God's sakes. Not Ronaldo. I mean, that's just him. You know, he'll he'll go and run after the ball if he's upset or whatever. He really wants to make a point. But that's just not him. But when you you do need him, he comes up with an absolutely ridiculous finish, like the that he pulled out off a great Bruno uh, volley in there, and then Cavani great pass from Ronaldo, assist on that goal on him to finish, and then Rashford with a nice finish as well. To get that third goal uh, at the end, after it kind of didn't matter, but much better all around. But I think that is more of a cosm of how bad Tottenham are. Yeah, because like, they're languish. If I remember right, like mid table ish. No, it's funny how like they kept saying if Tottenham were to win, they could actually go fifth. That's how weird this English Premier League table uh, table of anybody. I mean, Arsenal just went fifth with. Or, well, I mean, technically Arsenal went, like, seventh and West Ham mm-hmm. uh, won and everything. But, so right now, the table, you know, the top three are Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, and then West Ham sitting there in fourth, three points above Manchester United. And then Manchester United's tied with Arsenal for a fifth, and Brighton are right above Tottenham. So, <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't tell you everything. So. And the fact is that Tottenham, they're the only team in the league so far this season without a draw. Yep. Only five one. wins and five losses. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no draws at all. They either have no. to win or they yeah. lose. It's a classic like feast or famine as we're getting now to all like about the roughly a quarter of the week. But it's like, 
And I even said this, even with this result here, I only have four words to describe. Off with Ole's head. Shouldn't be at the wheel anymore. I'm sorry. It's gone on long enough. I, I will say, I think you have to give him credit for and going the three at the back. And yeah, playing your great. three. I mean, they you aren't technically your three best, you know, the I mean, they are technically your three best defenders that you have as far as center backs go. I'm but, sorry. Giving him credit for finally making some sort of adjustments that should have been done how long ago? Yeah, well, I, I mean, saw the way that it was arranged and everything, that, like a 3 4 one, 2 This is something that I preached about even on this very podcast. I, but did he did he know that, you know, Cavani and Ronaldo were going to be able to play together? I mean, so, like, that's something that you have to be able to trust and see. But I do agree with him in saying that he should have put the experience in long ago, right? Like, you know what Cavani gives you. He works hard. Yes. He goes after every ball, whether it's going defensively or offensively. Yeah, now he'll give away the ball sometimes. Well, we saw that a few times. Yeah. Uh, but then, and Ronaldo is, is there to give you the header or the fantastic finish or the exactly. whatever. Exactly. You know, with like the free kicks, haunting around the box. That's where he parks himself only in games. And then yep. when he does, you get it to him. He's lethal. We understand that. And then you have a Jaden Sancho, a Mason Greenwood, a Marcus Rashford that can come off the bench and, you know, be lethal, use that pace, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't I don't know if this team can start every game. I mean, I don't – I think that that works here for Tottenham. I don't know that it works for every game, but this is why all they need to be better at being able to see that and think tactically and not just be like, oh, well, going to put – I mean, to, to his credit, he's putting the best ones he can put out there. But again, like you're not going to be able to use that combination every single Exactly. Um, I don't, you know, Atalanta is going to be a very interesting proposition on Tuesday. What happens there? Uh, very important game. Really sets you up well if you can get the three points there to then go on the back half and have to play Villarreal and Young Boys again. But moving on past that, you have Man City on the weekend. The early morning Saturday game for me, Eric. It doesn't matter if he goes and whether he barely wins at Atlanta or he wins comfortably there. If you go and get blown out in Manchester City, who are going to be very angry mm-hmm. because they got knocked out of the Carabao Cup after Zach Steffen doesn't save one single solitary penalty, and you're going to sit there and tell me that Zach Steffen should be the number one uh, U.S. goalkeeper? Nope. That's why I will say that. I mean, now, granted, penalties are penalties, and they're not always guaranteed to be saved because a lot of times they'll get hit in a way that there is no way you're going to save them. But that was his, like, cup to play in. So, like, what game is he going to play in now? Exactly. If you're making your living as the designated cup keeper, you do enough to where you can keep playing in those cups. That's the whole point. He didn't do that. But either way, yeah, and then you go and drop. You don't play well. And and get uh, Laporta red carded and everything. So you know that this is they're gonna have a point to prove as well. Mm-hmm. And if it's another blowout, I think that that undoes you do and you have to sack it. I, I, I don't think you can unless you're the Glazers and you just don't give two shits about how the fans. Feel, which I would be very angry uh, at this. United fans uh, have shown their anger about the Glazers already with yeah. other stuff. So I am taking that. Fully into account, if this even ends up, say, along the lines of a 3-0 City, he's got to go. 
He's got to go. No doubt yeah. about it. I mean, I get it that you're gonna you're trying to do the Mikel Arteta thing and say, oh, we're gonna save his job and and all that stuff. For Arteta, it has worked. To be mm-hmm. fair, you know, he was given three games, he squeaked by. They kept with it, and now look where Arsenal are compared to where they were when everybody was going for his head. But the thing is, this is not Solskjaer's first year. This is, you know, Oli has been in this for a while now, and then mm-hmm. you're already out of the Carabao Cup. You lost in the Europa League final last. You, you know, we'll see what happens in the Champions. I mean, you're already kind of putting yourself in a hole in the Premier League. You can't afford to really lose that no. many more to begin with, number one. And number two, like having two defeats within three weeks of each other to your two biggest rivals, and you're not even putting up a fight, and then you go play a lowly Tottenham team in the middle, and that's supposed to make everything great. Like, if you're the Glazers, I don't care if you don't have anybody that you're, you've are you talked to already. You can't possibly keep him around No, as the manager. I mean, and you already even, know he's not the guy. No, and they even made it like they really talked about this. It's a matter of, okay, yes, we's the Glazers with Manchester United. It's about making money. It's about profits. Even if you're going along that line of thought, wouldn't a club be more valuable and you would make even more profits if they're winning meaningful trophies? Yeah, United people will actually want to support them, right? Yes, United aren't. They haven't. And hate to break it to you, we just said, at this course, it's not looking good for us to pick up one. It just isn't. So it's like, for all of your other ventures and things going on, and already... The hatred and borderline vitriol, not just from Manchester fans against you with the Glazers over there, but the leaning negative tie towards American ownership in general, you really got to put your foot down instead of saying, okay, we're going to do this to Old Trafford, we're going to listen to you fans, this and that. You actually have to demonstrate knowing what you're doing something and saying, hey, this isn't working. Yeah. I mean, it's they don't operate at the same level that say Chelsea, just right? Uh, Man City, like they are just kind of do the typical American thing of like, well, he got us by, so let's let's give him a. We got second, like twelve points behind yeah. Manchester and, City, but yeah, we got even second. Com- so. And even compared to all our ownership, Fenway Sports Group in Liverpool, what are Liverpool doing? They were working things. They're saying, hey, we want to be perennial contenders. I mean, yeah, you can't necessarily say the same thing about Stan Krinky and Arsenal. Fine. But at least Arsenal is showing, hey, if this does not work, we will make changes and find something that does. Now, Man United, okay, you spend a lot of money. Yeah. Right? You brought in Ronaldo. You, you brought in Sancho. Yeah. Yeah. You brought in Veron. Like, you're bringing in those guys to be middling? I'm sure Ronaldo don't want to be spending his twilight years not winning anything. No! So, like, dude, I mean, this guy is not going to get you where you need to go. Now, the thing is, even if he wins these games, even if it's these games, right, it's going to be the same thing. It's Exactly. It's going to be, okay, well, one week they're going to play great. The next week they're going to be all right. They might squeak by or whatever, but it's like eventually it's going to catch up to them. Mm-hmm. He hasn't figured out who his best 11 is. 
He's kind of like throwing stuff against the wall every week. He has he had two weeks where he didn't play Pogba from the beginning and have him bring. Then you have to quickly bring him off the bench when when stuff would go wrong. It's like obviously you're just kind of like playing around, mm-hmm. or or like you're you don't have a identity of this is what you want. The team. I'm just gonna throw out the players and well they're great so they got to do something. Yeah, it's this like, isn't. This isn't football manager. This isn't FIFA. Right. You're well. You're not. You're not Claudio Ranieri, who is now in, a, in another Premier League in Watford. You know, credit to that man. That dude was how many coached. But like the dude won the league, right, with Leicester. So I mean, like, what does that tell you that you're? I get it. Like he is a former player, and you have a lot to care about him for. But it's like the Glazers are not going after what you used to expect. Like excellent. We're talking exactly. About Manchester United. Now it's kind of like it's almost like any other like American owner. Well, hey, they're kind of getting there, dude. Like it's a it's a rebuilding plan. It's a process. Yeah, you gotta have some kind of payoff. Half there's got to be something to it. I mean, you gotta win something. If you don't, then what's the point, right? So moving on, that gets uh, gets the ire going uh, there. But we do have. Uh, one interesting topic to discuss that involves Serie and two teams <laughs> in general, Juve, Juventus, and Napoli. Of course, Napoli leading the league up there with uh, my team, AC Milan. Uh, AC Milan can't do jack in the Champions League, but they are doing great uh, in, in the league itself, at least. So the crux of this is that Juventus and Napoli are being accused of committing like an overvaluing of players in order to kind of like cook the books, basically. Uh, so 60 suspicious Serie A transfers are being investigated by the federal prosecutor with Juventus and Napoli being involved and Juventus being involved in 42 of them. Not one, not two, not three, 42. So two thirds of all of the transfers they're looking at when I first came across this story, and I was like, not again. They've exchanged 21 players for the total sum of 90 million euros, with only 3 million actually from one club to another. How is that even? How does that even work? I. So, no transfer fees here. So, you know, they moved uh, Pjanic to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And then they also moved, you know, Mateo Speria da Silva for 8 million. But then. You know, they over, they sent Alejandro Marquez back, so they barely, you know, they didn't lose any money. Then Napoli went and signed uh, Victor Osmijen uh, from Lille, and they sent four players back to Lille. Yeah, look, this doesn't really happen in, in world soccer to explain. Even, even just like one-for-one player exchange almost never happens. Right, you don't see players get traded. No, you soccer. don't. So, like, this is weird. It's obviously suspicious because, and then not only that, it's like they valued all four of these players at 20 million euros. What are these players doing right now, Eric? Two of them are playing in Sedia D, not B, Sedia D, like dog. And one of them is in Sedia C. I think, isn't Sedia D like a step up from the regional leagues? And, like, But this is your fourth tier down there. Like, what do you, why are you being sent off in a, you're being swapped out in some team? Leo is no joke. Leo is the French champions, okay? Like, 
They're defending Le Championnat right now. <laughs> right. They're defending Le Championnat right now, and you're sending them four players that Leo didn't deem worth a jack to go have them sit in Sedia D. Like, wow. You might as well play for the reserve team. I, I, like, if the, it just it's weird, Eric. Like yes, I definitely understand why like I, the investigations make sense. And have they has a Serie A and those that run it in another place yeah. to where you're starting to get more American ownership, but I'm not putting them involved. I'm just saying coincidence as far as timing. Have they learned nothing from what are we now? We're about 15 years on from the big match-fixing scandal, uh, if even. Yeah, so, I mean, now you, you know. so now it's not match-fixing again, thankfully, but now you've got other suspicions? I, why? I, I, I that's just my I, one they question. They really need to balance why? the books that bad, I guess. And you're not hurting for money either. You're getting some quality I, I mean, ownership. Now, now, to be fair... The city I was hit really hard with it. I get that. I get that. And then I just went with another. No, and, and again, I get that. But it's not like you're selling teams for a pittance either. Even with the pandemic and everything going on, look at how many clubs, like I was saying, have come in and drawn some good level American owners for these clubs. Right. And they're saying, hey, Yes, before the pandemic, a lot of it, I would clarify. Yeah, but that do these be- do these American owners want to just look? That's the thing. Where that's the difference between the American owners are not now they're spending money. Yeah, but but they're not spending the ridiculous amounts right. of money that we spent. In. Yeah, it, it, it's not. They're not like getting these sovereign oil funds or anything like that. I get it, but at least you're getting levels of ownership. Where it's like, hey. We know that these are good teams and can build this league. Let's build it up to where it can stay at that competitive level within Europe and international. Do right. something to build off, actually show they care. You don't need to pull off shenanigans like this. What's the point? I mean, to be fair, on UB's end, they have had a lot of instability. Well, and, and at, I get at the manager position. I mean, yeah. Instability the manager position, I mean, look at how long the Andrea Pirlo experiment lasted, and you've had players coming out and saying, yeah, we're better off without Ronaldo because he never truly fit in our ethos, and we're better off you know, playing as a team instead of centered around him. So I oh, yeah. get that there's a lot of rumblings and stuff behind the scenes, but do you need to add any more to that? Yeah, but look how not great Juventus being right now. No! So... Because Max Allegri is stuck in the past, the way he's the team. That's a whole other deal for some other time. But just wanted to bring this up because it's very interesting that we have Italian clubs involved in something like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that there probably aren't other clubs doing this as well, but it shows oh, yeah. you that sometimes when you go, man, is that player really worth that? Yeah. Sometimes that evaluation isn't always legit. You know? yeah, I mean, is it as bad as the art industry? No, but you're always going to have some of those question marks. Oh, yeah. So no doubt. No doubt. So, all right, Eric, let's get into uh, Supporters Club here. What are your uh, feeling? I mean, we talked about where Orlando and D.C. are on the table right now. Orlando is playoff bound. Yeah, as long as they don't totally screw it up. And DC's right on the edge of not making it with some uh, with a game to play. How are you feeling? DC United 2, Columbus 3. The second half was insane. I thought we had it in the bag. 
And then what do we do? Granted, one of those Columbus goals was a total banger. No fault whatsoever. But like I say about falling asleep, it's like you're right there. But instead of like actively being involved, you know, closing it down and what have you, it's just you have these glimpses and not even just a second here, a second there. Full on glimpses where you just stand there. And it's like, what are you really? You know, Columbus, even though they were away, yes. They were still fighting for their playoff lives like DCs. And just, yeah. I, I saw the collapse right in front of me, and I'm like, why? Why? Why did I even do Oh, the salt, the salt, the salt, the salt. Why? Did, yeah, this, this is what, like I said, this is what's been in my life. One team or another, when everything else is going great, it's that one that just comes along and says, not today. Uh-uh. <sighs> Be glad that at least Dallas is out of it. You don't have to feel my pain. You know everything's pretty much done and dusted, and you can look forward to 2022. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I definitely know how that feels. Dallas, is, they won, but obviously those games don't matter now. Uh, get on Hisufe. I forget the goal. That, I, you know, I, I hate saying that it sucks that Dallas is kind of out of the running. Whatever they do here doesn't matter, but it's the truth. Yeah, I mean, at least you're building towards next season, getting something in place. Yeah, certainly. Um, so we talked about Manchester United already. Uh, Valencia have had a big win against Villarreal uh, in a game that Yunus Musa did not play in, uh, but they still looked good. I was surprised. Uh, <laughs> I was surprised to be able to like get that win against Villarreal, who is very stout defensively, and I'm was glad because they were starting to go into like a free fall where they were not winning and then getting handled. Uh, they got handled by Real Betis uh, over the last week. So I was like, wow, oof, you know. So, and they had to pull out two in injury time to beat uh, Matthew Hoppy's uh, Mallorca. So Valencia has kind of been topsy turvy, but very uh, happy with uh, the big win against Villarreal. They kind of not dropped too far. Right now they're tied with Barcelona. At 60 points. Uh, still kind of far down the table, but it's still mm-hmm. a little bit early. So let's see if they can kind of keep it uh, together there. Uh, they're the only one of my teams, aside from America, who obviously plays in uh, Liga Mekis, who don't have some big uh, midweek game. But uh, America with a big loss in the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, Monterrey, the Rayados win the CCL, although there was some VAR controversy. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, it is what it is, apparently. And they lose to Cruz Azul and the Liga, which that's not great because America's been very good at uh, picking up on picking on the, the bad teams. And then when they come up against the good team, they've done okay. Like, they beat Tigres, and then they lose to uh, not great on that <laughs> America is still in a position for, like, a good chance in the league. Yeah, I mean, Bumble, they're, right? they're first in the league. Yeah. So, but... You know, you, I just don't like hearing that. I just don't like seeing that because, again, you know, you get a lot of the talk about, well, oh, yeah. how good really are they because they don't win the lead, you know, the, when it matters. You know, they don't beat the team yeah. that they're going to have to face and be uh, and all that stuff. So I just, uh, I hate seeing it for uh, Liga Mekis, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, right now, they're still first um, with, I mean, more like eight points above Atlas. And nine above D it is. So 
they have a cushion thanks to how they do against. But again, just like you know, we talked about with the England Revolution, it doesn't really matter if you don't do Jack and the like, yes. Right, uh, right. We'll, we'll definitely when it gets uh, to that for sure. So uh, Dortmund do their thing against Cologne. Uh, Hazard with a nice goal and yeah, but they got a big game against Ajax and that one is going to be uh, fun to watch. Interesting for see if Dortmund can uh, surpass that and then win. Uh, definitely uh, do better. Uh, Marseille got to have that revenge game against Nice. Scores. <laughs> uh, they finished one-one. Uh, Payet with the tying goal. Unfortunately, couldn't uh, get much there. Uh, and then they went to beat uh, Clermont Foot uh, thanks to Under's goal early on. So at least they their Nice is above them by a point thanks to that point that they drew against each other. But they're keeping up in at least in a Champions League place right now. So I'm happy about that. But the rest of the table is kind of tight when you take uh, Paris Saint-Germain out of it that are like eight points clear right now. So And they, they got a, a nice win as well on there. So good for them. And very happy about Milan whooping on Jorino. <laughs> uh Ibrahimovic that would get them to win uh so take that Zlatan after all these years is still Zlatan yep still Zlatan still going and still doing his thing very uh very proud of the man for what he does best and sticking it to Jose Mourinho who wants it he wants Brian Reynolds out of the team he does not want him at Roma anymore that'll be definitely an interesting when we get to January he goes but yeah glad to see Milan stay on top Right behind Napoli, keeping pace with them. Uh, Napoli suffered their first drop points of the season as well. So we shall see what happens uh, going forward with uh, Sedia uh, as well. And they got a big game. They have to win if they want to do anything, if they want to get to Europa League uh, against Porto here. They have been absolutely awful, dreadful in the champions. So they need to get their butts in gear here uh, if they want to uh, matter at all when it comes to a European glory at all there. But that is going to be it for us here for this week. Hopefully you have enjoyed our, our show. If you watched uh, live, we appreciate it. And if you're going to watch later on YouTube or Twitch or, uh, on the Facebook page or whatever, thank you for that as well. Of course, you can you can listen to us on any where there are podcasts, Soccer the Max available on Apple, Overcast, Spotify, our radio group pods. Uh, anywhere you think that they are podcasts, pretty much we are theirs. Go check us out. And, of course, I mentioned um, Eric has a bunch of shows he does on WTM Networks. So if you subscribe to the whole network, you get everything. You get Eric's uh, football show with the kickoff that he does with Harry and Kennedy. You get the uh, League to the Max show, which is inside the feed to my video games to the Max show, which I'm going to record with Mark uh, tomorrow. Uh, we had an, an episode talking about the Halo campaign trailer and, among other things, games we're playing and all that stuff. Uh, go check out that League of Legends stuff if you enjoy that. And, of course, Mark Rowlitz, with everything you want entertainment-wise, uh, you definitely want to go and check out any any movie pretty much that has come out recently. They have a review there for you. Uh, they and have- there's a crossover in the works between uh- – Damn you, Hollywood, and a life is like a game show. Stay tuned for that because we're getting on that. Yeah, should be a fun thing when we get to that for sure. So until next week, which we already know, MLS playoffs are going to be set by the time we go to this show. 
And of course, we'll be talking about, hopefully, hopefully talking about, well, we may, we probably won't because we'll probably wait till like Tuesday or something to announce the international uh, for the game against Mexico on Friday, on that next Friday. And then of course, the game against Jamaica. So we shall get, we'll be, we'll be getting to that pretty quick too. Uh, <laughs> So get ready for for that, and that'll be the last window, last international window of twenty. So, but um, yeah, until we get next week, thank you for listening, for watching, everybody later. Peace. Bye.